Father, at the start of a new day and a new year, we thank you for the opportunity to pause, to gather in the name of Jesus and to listen to your word. We ask that you would help us to concentrate. We ask that you would grow us in our understanding of Jesus, grow us in new and fresh convictions about who he is and what he's done, grow us in certainty about the truth of these things and why they matter today, grow us in excitement that we, though feeling daunted, might be confident telling others about Jesus. For his glory we pray. Amen. I want you to fast forward in your mind to uh, sometime this week when you are going to be uh, with others. And uh, I know there's Possibly some uncertainty about what that looks like at this moment in time. But uh, imagine those you have been with uh, before the holidays, those you spend time with regularly. Uh, away from St. John's, away from a Sunday, in other places. I'm guessing that for most of us, that will mean time in the minority. Time alongside others who don't perhaps believe in Jesus. For myself, unusually, I'll be meeting probably with the staff. So I'll be alongside other Christians. But I'm thinking of time for me when I do the school drop-off. And I walk up and down the street with some of the dads and have opportunity to chat who are those people that you can see and think of now that there is fair chance as we move into this new year that you will be spending considerable amount of time alongside and with people who do not know about Jesus. And if we are those who are believing that Jesus is supremely important that he changes everything then we will feel uh, that we need to be telling others about him as well and yet how it is right to feel fearful and daunted by such a task with those in our classes with those we travel with, with those in our workplaces, with those even who are closest to us, nearest and dearest in our family. What encouragement do we find in these verses this morning for continuing with this task? I want to see three things as we go through these verses. The first is to see how Jesus prepared his apostles in these uh, verses. Jesus prepared his apostles 
in a couple of different ways. Firstly, we're reminded by Luke that he chose them personally. So part of the preparation was being chosen by Jesus and appointed by him personally. We're reminded of that at the end of verse 2. The focus is now going to continue on a group who were with Jesus as his disciples and what happens next through them. We're reminded by Luke, these were the men that Jesus chose personally. We're then reminded by Luke in, in verse 2 and verse 3 that he appeared to them. He appeared to them. And that this was part of his preparing them for the task ahead. These men were the foundational witnesses. And as such, they had to be eyewitnesses to all that Jesus had been doing. And particularly to his resurrection. Eyewitnesses from the start of his ministry. His baptism with John the Baptist through to after his death and resurrection and then his ascension into heaven. And here Luke tells us that in these verses they were given, can you see that in verse 3? Convincing proof that Jesus was alive. Over a period of 40 days they heard and saw and even ate with him. He was no ghost. No phantom. This was not a hallucination. Luke tells us in his gospel he was even, uh, they even touched him. And this is part of him preparing them by appearing to them so that they can be witnesses to his life, his death, and his resurrection. Now that is completely different from where we stand. When we try to speak to others about Jesus and tell them something of who he is and what he's done, the best we can claim to be doing is speaking as second-hand witnesses. But these men, these men were being shown here knew Jesus before his death and could justifiably claim to recognize him after his resurrection. And so this is part of Jesus preparing them for the task that lies ahead. We'll hear in Acts about how they will stand up to preach and testify about who Jesus is and what God has done. They'll speak to a crowd and say, this Jesus whom you crucified has been raised. We are witnesses of this. This is what God has done to show that he is the Messiah, the King. So in these opening verses, we're seeing how Jesus prepares them for this task. His appearing to them over this period before he returns to heaven uniquely qualifies them for this role. But there's another thing. In verse 2, he instructed them as part of the preparation. In verse 2, we read that after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Some see this as his commissioning of them. They are going to be special ambassadors, sent out with a message 
and speaking with the authority of the sender. It's very important for us not to, to rush past these things that Luke is telling us in these opening verses. They have been taught personally by Jesus and they are the ones who carry his teaching into the world. The teaching of Jesus comes to us in the pages of the New Testament this morning. The apostles who passed on that teaching are our only link to Jesus. The only reliable link to Jesus. And what difference does this make for us this morning? This explanation is here to help us to have certainty about the apostles and the message that they have passed on. You see, if someone here this morning or at home online or in our company is investigating Christianity, we want them to understand that Christianity is not a leap in the dark. It's not blind faith. It's not switch off your brain and just accept this without good reason. But rather, it's asking for a very scientific approach. It's asking for people to, to read and consider historical evidence from eyewitnesses. Evidence that needs to be considered by reading it and then weighed. And by weighing up the evidence, that is how someone can come to a reasonable decision and say, I am persuaded and believe that Jesus is alive. And that this changes everything. If this morning we're already believing, certainty about these things will help us to be moving past just sharing our testimony in a way that says what is true for me, to asking people to consider the message passed on by the eyewitnesses, the apostles. That's why these men are so important today. And Luke wants us to see that right at the start of Acts. Jesus prepares these men specially. Then secondly, we see that Jesus promises them the Holy Spirit. Now maybe after 40 days, some of them would be thinking, the self-starters amongst them anyway, would be thinking, I've got it, right, let's crack on. Let's get out there. Sleeves rolled up, work to do. But Jesus says they must wait. And surely for us today, there is something of a relief here. And, and maybe for them as well. After three years of being with Jesus, and seeing him do amazing things, he's now saying at this point, it's, it's you lot. And by lot, he means the 11 that were left after Judas stopped. They will add another, which will make 12. We'll read about that in the next few weeks. 
And the Apostle Paul will be part of this as well. But 11 at this stage to the world. What a team. But what a challenge. 11 to the world without your star player. They need to know that their mission is beyond them. And how much they still need God's help. And so Jesus insists that they have to wait. Read again with me verses 4 and 5. Halfway through verse 4. The command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God in person. Another helper on whom they will be utterly dependent. Previously in the Gospels, we read an account from what's called the Upper Room, where the Holy Spirit is described as the Spirit of Truth, who would remind them of the teachings of Jesus and enable them to teach others. And at the end of Luke's, let, let's just turn back to see this, at the end of Luke's, so page 1062, at the end of Luke's first volume. We have an overlap with these verses here, where Jesus has appeared to them after the cross, and in chapter 24 and verse 46, he tells them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Happened. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Eleven of you, there's the task. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are the witnesses, you are witnesses of these things. And verse 49, I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, it's not until God fulfills his promise and they are clothed with power from on high that they can fulfill their commission. Jesus has spoken to them about the kingdom of God and how it would grow and grow and grow. But it cannot be achieved by mere human effort. It requires the work of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. And in Acts, we're going to see incredibly how that starts to happen. We're going to see how the Holy Spirit came down and the church suddenly started at Pentecost. 
and how it started to spread and go out and on and around the world. The kingdom of God growing and growing. And how does that happen? Acts will show us that it's the word of God being preached and shared. As that happens, the spirit of God enables people to repent and believe the good news about Jesus. So what must we recognise this morning? If we're involved because we believe in Jesus. Well, just as they needed the power of the Holy Spirit for this task, so do we. As we try to tell others about Jesus, we need to understand that we can't achieve anything without the help of the Holy Spirit. But wonderfully, Christians today are no longer in this position of waiting for him to come. If you are trusting Jesus today, it's because the Holy Spirit is already living inside you. That helper has been given to every believer. He's come to help you to tell others about Jesus. If you feel daunted by the task, understand that that is a right feeling and feel relief and comfort that God himself is our helper for this work. It is only by the Holy Spirit working in us so we might sit down and pray, please help me to get the words out, to open the Bible. And please work sovereignly in this person's heart that they would change their mind about Jesus, that they would repent and believe. The second encouragement, the help of the power of the Holy Spirit. The third thing is the continuing work of Jesus. Notice in these verses, come back to Acts chapter 1. Notice in these verses an emphasis that we will see as we go through Acts. Right at the start, I don't know, maybe I should have started with this verse. It's the first one. That might have made sense. But anyway, <laughs> we're finishing with it. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, implying that that was just the start and we're into a new chapter, that the second volume is the sequel telling us what Jesus continued to do and to teach. You see, in Acts, we'll, we'll, we'll see that he ascends to heaven but we'll see how he's very much still involved how he's ruling over the affairs of the church from the very start he's not hands off as he moves upstairs 
He prepares. We've seen it in these verses. He instructs. What else did we see? He commands. He teaches. And he promises. We must not miss the emphasis that the mission, this is his work. To title the book The Acts of the Apostles is slightly misleading. More accurately, the acts of Jesus. The acts that Jesus continued to do. Once he ascended, he did not leave the church to its own devices. We'll see how he continues to guide its developing faith. Why? Why is this so encouraging this morning? Well, however we feel at the start of 2022, this is his ministry. This is his continuing work if we're with him in the world today. And as we saw at the end of last year in Matthew, it is Jesus who does what? Who builds his church. It is his work. So come back with me in your mind to those situations, that person at the school gate, that colleague that, that you are really praying for, the family member that you just long to see believing in Jesus. Come back to those situations now and understand that nothing is possible without Jesus. Nothing is possible without Jesus. Whoever you are, wherever you're going to be, the healthiest of, uh, healthiest of Christians, the healthiest of churches, full of activity, nothing is possible without Jesus. But know also that great things are possible with Jesus. That we stand in 2022 looking back to Jerusalem and seeing how the work has continued down through the ages, around the world, as we sit as a family this morning from all different countries, the north, the south, the east, the west. These things have continued to happen. We are here because these things are true. They have been fulfilled and are continuing to be fulfilled. Nothing is possible without Jesus, but great things are possible with Jesus. It is right for us to feel daunted, but confident. As we look back, we see how the Spirit of God and the Word of God has been more than enough to do the work of God. The Kingdom of God has been unstoppable. And as long as Jesus continues to work, we can too. Let's pray.
Father, in the midst of great uncertainty, which just seems to continue, what change is possible? Well, because of Jesus, great things are possible. Refresh us in our certainty about the gospel. Excite us in it too. And help us to know our utter dependency on your word passed on to us by the apostles. The Holy Spirit living inside us as our helper and enabler that the Lord Jesus is continuing to build his church and that his kingdom is unstoppable. Help us to go out today with gladness and with renewed confidence, ready to give ourselves to this task and to trust him. In Jesus' name we pray.